So I take a lot of encouragement that God uses imperfect people. So all throughout Scripture from beginning to end, God uses imperfect people. And I am no different. I just get to have a microphone, which is cool. Um, God is the only hero of Scripture. Truly is. Jesus is the only hero of Scripture. So you and I might see glaring issues in the mirror when we think about our own personal flaws but just know that God loves you, he's pursuing you, and he has a mission for you. Now we're looking in the book of Judges, and what this one particular judge today is, um, is struggling with timidity, fear, and insecurity. Anybody that, like that in here? Timidity, fear, and insecurity? Um, insecurity has the potential to damage, to destroy, personal relationships and to even ruin the purpose for which God created you. Insecurity really does have the, the potential to damage and destroy personal relationships and, the, and ruin the potential for what God created you. Someone who struggles with insecurity and it's horrible um, believes the worst about themselves. Somebody who struggles with insecurity believes the worst about themselves. Um, believes that others think the worst about them. You know those people who have a hard time taking a compliment? Um, you extend an invitation or, or say something good, and, and they're even really skeptical of your motive. So somebody who has insecurity. And, and, and even worse than that, someone who struggles with insecurity believes that God thinks the worst about them. Believes that God thinks the worst about them. So I'm sure that, it, that there are some people in here like me who uh, struggle with insecurity, fear, and timidity. And that's where we're starting today with our, our character of Gideon in Scripture in Judges chapter 6. You can turn there or click there in Judges chapter 6. And uh, the context here in Judges chapter 6 is once again, the people are being disobedient which happens all throughout the book of Judges, really all throughout Scripture. But the people are being disobedient, and God hands them over to discipline under another nation. And it says that the Midianites oppressed them, overpowered them for seven years. And they came up, and they destroyed their crops. They destroyed their livestock. They destroyed everything. They would ride on the backs of camels. It was kind of like the biker gang of their day, except they rode camels. Is that like a camel gang? So they would come up against the land, and, and they would lay waste to it. And it says that Israel was brought, in verse 6, very low. Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And in those moments of being brought low, they cried to the Lord. And that's a turning point here in the story. And it always is in Scripture, whenever you hear people crying to the Lord. So when they cried to the Lord, the Bible says that God actually didn't fix it right away. He actually sent a spokesperson, a prophet to them, to remind them of who he is, what he's done for them, and ask them why they were turning away from him in disobedience. But not only did God raise up a spokesperson, God also rose up a deliverer, which we call a judge. So a judge in, in today's time, we think of somebody with a, you know, a gavel and sitting in a chair in a robe. But, but in, uh, in the time of Scripture, in, in the book of Judges, it was a deliverer, somebody who would deliver them from oppression. So 
that's when we're introduced to Gideon. And Gideon is hiding out in the wine, in a wine press, sort of a, uh, in the ground, trying to get something to eat. He's hangry. Have you ever heard of hangry before? Yeah, hangry is a real thing. So that's my first point. Um, hangry is a real thing. Um, which is why, by the way, at summer nights on June 4th, we have potluck. So, so nobody's hangry when we show up here at 530. Uh, <laughs> um, we're also having baptisms that night. So if, if those of you who are wanting to be baptized, come and um, see somebody at the Info Hub or, or send an email to our office email. But, uh, but here Gideon is, and he's threshing out wheat in the wine press, hiding out from the Midianites, just trying to get something to eat. And the angel of the Lord shows up and begins to talk to him. Now, the angel of the Lord is a special character in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord is actually God in a messenger form. It's kind of a mysterious figure, but, but it's God in messenger form. And, and Gideon doesn't really recognize this. And the angel of the Lord, the first thing that the angel says to him in verse 12 is, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon argues with him. Gideon says, yeah, right, verse 13. If God is with us, why is all this stuff happening to us? Sound familiar in our own lives? If all this stuff is, if God's with us, why is all this stuff happening? And so the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand, from the hand of Midian. And Gideon argues with him. He says this in verse 15. It'll be up on the screen. This is where we get really the first clue of his insecurity. He says, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest. I am the least. So Gideon has this self-perception that, that, that he can't. Even though God is saying, I send you. And that's exactly what he says the third time in Judges 6. 16, he says, am I not sending you? I will be with you. So he says it. And so you see this pattern in Gideon's life, constant pattern of the need for God's reassurance that God is with him, that he can do it, that he's with him. Nearly half of the story of Gideon is about Gideon needing God's reassurance. That comforts me because it reminds me that God meets us where we are. God meets you where you are. He loves us too much to keep us there, but he does meet us where we are. Notice what it says in verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah. God just sort of sat with Gideon. I, I owe it actually to a Lee student for pointing this out to me. Her name's Christy. Um, so thank you, Christy, if you're here. Um, but the Lord came and sat. And once Gideon found out that he was actually talking to the angel of the Lord, he thought, he actually said, alas, I'm going to die. He, he was afraid that he would die. And God reassures him in verse 16. God reassures him that you're not going to die. That God is with him. Verse 23 and 24, do not fear, peace be to you, you shall not die. And Gideon built an altar there, and he called it, the Lord 
is peace. This is a necessary starting place for those who are struggling with insecurity to know that the Lord meets you where you are, that the Lord is for you. We see this truth in an even greater way in the New Testament when we look at Jesus on the cross. We look at Jesus' life and that God meets us where, it, where we are because of Jesus' coming from heaven to earth, Jesus' incarnation and his death for us. We know the famous John 3.16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But let's keep going to the next verse because I think it's even more telling of God's character and his mindset for us that he's not out to get you, but he's for you. He's for his glory and he's for you says this, that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, this is best seen in Jesus. The fact that God is for us. Also, part of what it means for us to recognize that God is for us is also to believe God's declaration of who you are. Notice God's greeting to Gideon. What did he say to Gideon while he was hiding in the wine press and and just trying to get dinner for the evening? He said, O mighty man of valor, in Judges 6.12, it's on the screen. O mighty man of valor. As we continue um, reading, we see that this is not initially true of Gideon. But it's important for those of you who are struggling with fear and insecurity and timidity to realize that God knows you for the vision he has for you. God defines you for what he knows you to be in Jesus. You know, you can think back, I can think back to elementary school, and I think to some of my best teachers. I was that kid, by the way, that nobody wanted in their class. If If you're a teacher in here, and you know you get your roster for the next year, and you look down there, and you're like, oh man, Todd Humbert, God. There was actually one teacher at North City Elementary. She um, was her first year, Miss Caldwell, and um, she was a brand new teacher, and I knew it. It's like, oh, this is going to be good. And uh, that was her last year, too, and really was. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I was the result of that. But uh, uh, her husband was a lawyer, so she didn't need to, to teach. But... Um, But she had this, and other great teachers had this ability to see beyond my present behavior to the person I could be. You know what I'm talking about? And that's, that's God's vision of you and me, that he's able to look beyond your present self and see the person that he's creating you to be, and he's created you to be in Christ. And that's how he knows you. And that's how he defines you, O mighty man of valor. Over and over again, God met Gideon right where he was. But the next thing God tells Gideon to do is to get rid of the idols in the community. Okay, here's a fearful, timid person, and God says to Gideon, go tear down the altar to Baal and the Asherah pole that people are worshiping. Go tear it down. You know where it's located, by the way? It's in his, like, backyard. His family was the community center of idol worship for, the, for the, that area. And God's saying, go tear it down. God tells Gideon, excuse me, 
God tells Gideon, this fearful man, to go tear it down. I think God's doing a few things here, three things in particular. One, idols were the cause of the downfall of the nation at this time, if you remember what the prophets said to the people. So God was getting to the root of the problem. It wasn't the oppression of the Midianites that was the problem. The problem was idol worship. God was getting to the root of that problem. And he tells Gideon to restore proper worship, build an altar to him. I also think that God was trying, you know, insecure people, um, I'm just saying all this for myself because, you know, this is my frame of reference, insecurity. Insecure people have a tendency to be very um, introspective and self-destructive. And, and so what God is doing, I think here, um, could be wrong, but I think what God is doing is getting Gideon's eyes off of his personal life and into the needs of the community. He's getting his eyes off of himself and, and, and getting him into the need of the community. And I also think what God is doing here is God's giving Gideon one step of obedience to show Gideon before he delivers the entire nation one step of obedience that God can use him. God's giving him one step of obedience. What's your one step of obedience? Those of you who are timid, fearful, insecure, and you're paralyzed by that, just take that next step. What's that one step of obedience? Now, I don't think Michael and Jessica are very, uh, Paige, Michael and Jessica Page are very fearful people, but I think about Shepherd's Heart International and what God is doing through them in Kenya and around the world and Mozambique. I think about the 150 kids that are getting sponsored and the Royal Boys and, and the sustainability projects that they're doing over in Kenya. But you know where it started? One simple trip. One simple trip, one step of obedience opened up an entire door for God to, uh, to use them in Africa. And maybe your one step of obedience isn't going to result in like developing a nonprofit ministry to help kids, street kids and orphans in Africa, but maybe it's just something simpler. Maybe, it, maybe it's taking one service, one gathering once a month, going upstairs and, and loving our kids to Jesus, or regularly going over to Roots, our elementary school kids, and, and, and helping them. Maybe that's their one step of obedience. Maybe it's finding a serve team here or going to Romania this summer. Maybe your one step of obedience is, is helping find a home for um, a pastor here that's using uh, our property until May 27th. We have a pastor from the Congo using our property until May 27th when Okoe Outreach comes in, and we've got to find a place for him to go and for him to stay um, for the summer while he trains at a local job. Um, so maybe you have some extra space, mother-in-law apartment or a downstairs basement. You could find a place where maybe that's one step of obedience. But God asked Gideon to take this one step of obedience. And I want you to notice how Gideon responds in verse 27. It says he took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid, of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. I would love to say that Gideon at some point found freedom from fear, timidity, and insecurity. But as you read throughout this entire passage, he, he, he doesn't. But what he does do is he learns to depend on 
God. So you might be fearful, timid, and insecure, but it's okay because you know what? God meets you right where you're at. He has a vision for your future, and he wants you to take small steps of obedience, and it'll show you that God will use you. Notice after this, in verse 34, the Bible says that it was God's spirit that clothed Gideon. It was God's spirit that clothed Gideon. You know, we have as humans, we've got like this much power, which is really not much at all. um, It's probably more like this, teensy-weensy little bitty power. But God is limitless in his power. God is absolutely limitless. And what God can do is he can take this, this little bit that we offer him and do so much more than we could even believe or imagine. You know, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, it's, it's a favorite passage around here, is this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all ask or think. God uses us to do more than we could ask him or even think according to the power. Where is that power at work? It's at work within us. God wants us to take steps of obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to lean on God's limitless power. He want, we want to lean on the Holy Spirit to be our strength, to depend on him. And how do you do that? How do you, how do you lean on the power of the Holy Spirit? Seems kind of like mysterious, you know, like, uh, do I just like pull up to a drive-thru and I've you know, God's drive-through, hey, I just need a little bit of the Holy Spirit, can you give them to me? Um, but it's really this, this simple word, this small word uh, scripture gives us, and it's a word called surrender. So we lean on the power of the Holy Spirit through surrender. So God is asking you to take one step of obedience, but what God wants is your entire life. He wants the authority and the control of your entire life for you to reflect more than you could even ask or imagine. You know, we, we often will focus on ourselves and we say things like, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. This is where Gideon's at. Uh, I don't have the right qualifications or experience. And we let those things paralyze us. I just can't do I can't, you know, I'm not, can't do that. I don't really know how. Never done that before. Um, And then if we work really hard, we try to gain emotional energy to strike through those comments. Oh, yeah, I can. I think I can. I've got got this. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good. Okay, I'm not good enough. No, that's not true. I'm an awesome person. Todd, you are the stuff. I've got this. Or, you know, I have the right qualifications, experience. Doesn't matter. Uh, You know, so what we try to do is we try to strike through those comments but, uh, but I actually think that we don't need to strike through those comments. We need to use those comments as motivation to lean us back on Jesus. And so we, we don't need to put a period at the end of those. We actually need to put a comma and a but. And here it is. I, I can't do it, comma, but Christ can in me. I'm not good enough comma, but God already knew that when he called me to do it. And Christ is good enough. I don't have the right qualifications or experience, comma, but 
God's the one who's commissioning me to go forward. So it sort of neutralizes that fear and insecurity that whether it be Satan or our own self put, put in our mind. And whenever we begin to believe what God can do through us and believe and lean on the power of the Holy Spirit, God gives us the strength through surrender to accomplish his purpose. What happens after this? After Gideon is told by God, commissioned by God, to go and save his people from Midian, and the Holy Spirit clothes him, Gideon sounds a trumpet, tries to gather as many people as possible, and he gets 32,000 people. Okay, he's going up against a group of people who the Bible says can't be numbered. They're like locusts on the land, devouring. They cannot be numbered. And so Gideon gathers 32,000 people, and that seems like a great thing, right, for an insecure, fearful, timid person. Let's just, let's just insulate myself with a lot of people around me so I don't have to fear um, a failure. All these people, they're going to be my help. But what God does is he says, nope, you've got too many people, Gideon. And so through a series of events, God narrows those people down to 300 people. 300. Matter of fact, one of those events that it's kind of humorous in the story, uh, one of those events God uses to narrow those people down is God says to Gideon, tell all the people, if you're afraid, go home. I just find that kind of funny. Like, why didn't, like, except you, Gideon? <laughs> you know, you're sticking around. But all, everybody else who's fearful and trembling, just, sit, just send them home. So God has these 300 warriors. And notice what it says here. In chapter 7, verse 9 through 10, God says, after he gets these 300 people, he says, go down against the camp. You're going to overtake them, Gideon, for I have given it into your hand. But, God meets us where is that, right? God meets us where we're at. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp. If you're afraid to go down in a militaristic sense, go down right now. Just travel down to the camp with your servant, and you're going to hear what they say about you, and afterward your hands will be strengthened to go down against the camp. So what Gideon does is he kind of tiptoes with his servant down to the camp, and they listen in on this conversation between these two warriors of the Midianites. And one is telling the other how they had a dream the night before that some like loaf of bread, it's kind of a strange dream, uh, tumbles into their, their camp and turns everything upside down. And the other warrior says in response, strange interpretation, I don't know how he got this, that's got to be Gideon. <laughs> that's Gideon. <laughs> okay, that's kind of strange. But but Gideon's listening in, and he hears this. God arranges the moments and circumstances where he gets to hear this, and his response is this. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, this is what happened. He worshiped. See, God is the real hero of this story because he uses flawed people to write his story. We might think that the story is all about the defeat of the Midianites, you know, and it's an incredible story of 300 people and the strategy that they used to defeat 
you know, this army that can't be numbered and you never hear about them actually ever again in Scripture after this. But the point of the story is actually to glorify, to make God's name great because he uses flaws, flawed leaders to write his story. See, God met Gideon where he was. God gave Gideon a vision for his life. Gideon took a step of obedience, was clothed with his power through, resent, through surrender. And you know what the result was? The result was actually the purpose of it all. And the result is this, worship. The result was worship. From beginning to end, that was Israel's problem. Who were they worshiping? So are you timid? Are you fearful? Are you insecure? I want to encourage you that uh, on these few points as the band comes forward. I want you to be mindful that God meets you right where you're at. That he meets you right here in this space. He meets you in your car. He meets you in the refuge room if you decide to go upstairs and, and process. God meets you right where you're at. That God knows you, defines you by the vision that he has for your life. He gives you a vision for the future for your life. God wants you to take one step of obedience today. God wants you to take one step of obedience today. And I pray that it, he would give you exactly what that, that's supposed to be. And then God also asks us, really requires us to see him at work to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit through simply surrender. Whether it be the first time surrendering to Christ today, handing over authority of your life to him, and really it's every day. Every day leaning into him. And the last thing that God wants us to do is respond in worship. Recognizing his greatness and his goodness that God uses to choose flawed leaders to write his story. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that encourages us that despite our weaknesses and, and, and failures, that God, you use us because you are in the, you want to glorify your great name. Lord, make your name great once again. In Christ's name.